relationship with Lord that is very subjective. He will objective. He will bring an objective reality to it. When you have a dream, you have a vision, you have an angelic encounter, you have whatever, uh, whatever happens, God will, God will confirm what He's doing through His Word, and that is the primary objective proof of an unseen reality. But there are. Uh, anybody in here ever wrote a research paper? Okay. All right. Good. But, yeah, you have secondary source material. You familiar with this language? Uh, so there are secondary sources that the Godhead will use to speak with you, and yet, and also tertiary sources, sources outside of secondary source material. Why do I say that? His primary source material is His Word, and His Word. Okay, but He will use secondary source material so that you will know He's speaking to you. And this is really important because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the objective proof of an unseen reality. Otherwise, it must be held in suspicion. Okay, because anything subjective that got, it could be an angel could come as an angel of darkness or a light. I just want to introduce the context of this with when, I'm, when we speak of subjective experiences, if they're not backed up by Scripture or backed up by God's Word, you should hold them in, uh, in a subjective light for yourself as you're growing in grace with the Father. He will confirm what He reveals to you by objective proof. And I, I want to make that clear because I think that what's happening in the body of Christ is so many people uh, have got offended with this realm that we're going to be into today. Heaven. Okay? They've got a, they, they've either got offended or they've dismissed it. That heaven is real. You know, that would be in book came out right. Mm -hmm. They dismissed it as it, it's not a, a real place, or someone said, This is what God said to me. And you're like, eh, I don't know about that, right? And that's okay. Because it needs to be objective, meaning that God's word needs to speak to that unseen reality. So did everybody understand that? In the introduction to this, if the Lord is calling us up into a realm into the heavens, that we must be uh, cautious and careful about that uh, and be wise uh, according to Scripture. Because where we're going to go today, together, that's a foundation that must be laid. The objective proof of an unseen reality. Why is that so important? Because it's important because uh, we can take the interpretation of a prophetic revelation and turn it in a way that suits our own fancy, so to speak. Okay? And what that does is it ends up marginalizing us and isolating us from other people. Okay? And... So when the Lord, and it can marginalize ourselves and cause us to be withdrawn and, and find a little, a little place ourselves. And, and, and let me say this, your enemy and my enemy is hostile to this environment that we are actually engaging in today is, and what you've been engaging in. He doesn't want you to get a reality of heaven. Right. He doesn't want you to get to understand your Father. He, he, and he, and you know, he, he's after that, and uh, but there's uh, there's so much deception 
And before I even get into anything with you, I just want to go ahead and let you know that. So uh, when you're listening, even to me today, if I speak something that doesn't come from God's holy word, toss it out. Don't listen to it. If it doesn't come from, if it doesn't bear witness by the spirit of the word according to scripture, be careful with it. Here's the other thing. One of the damages that happens is that we can take a revelation of God, run it through an interpretation grid, and apply it wrongly. So if you're taking notes, revelation, interpretation, application. And so when the Holy Spirit starts to bring revelation to you, watch your interpretation and make sure that you have objective proof on it or you may misapply it. And then when you misapply it, you can, what this can happen is can create offense with God or with others because of a misapplication. And uh, I just want that just to lay a foundation here. That we need a foundation that is solid. So again, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's an objective proof of unseen reality. Here's the thing. You and I can't believe something. that We can't believe God in faith for something really, truly, that's just subjective. Like my feeling goes out for someone and I feel compassion towards them, but that may be that, that compassion may be mixed with uh, my own desire, but it may not be the word of the Lord on the situation. Right? And so you got to make sure your, your revelation and your interpretation is good or you'll misapply it. Case in point, Jesus tells the disciples, go to the other side. Right? In the boat. Remember that? What happens as soon as he tells them to go to the other side? A storm comes. Lord, I thought you said go to the other side. Now why did a storm come? You are the one who made the seas. You made the wind. You, you, and then he's in the boat asleep. For you know, I always say he's counting sheep. <laughs> he was counting us. <laughs> he's like, I'm just resting, thinking about my expanded family I'm going to have. And uh, what, what's your, what, he says, oh, ye a little faith, right? And he gets up and he prophesies to the wind and tells it, peace be still, right? And he deals with that. So in this journey, God calls you through something. They had a misinterpretation. They took the revelation, but misinterpreted it because now a storm arose and they're thinking, did we hear from him? And this is what they said. To the Lord of glory, do you not care that we're going to drown? Because the interpretation with misalignment. So what do they do? You look to the Father. Well, the Father's in the Son. And you point a finger at Him. Do you not care? My, because what my interpretation was off, the Word was actually teaching them what it meant to command. And He was bringing them through a training process of what He had just done. Because that's how the Word works. He, he models something for you and then He tells you to walk in it. So He's wanting them to actually rise up and say, Hey, he's in charge, and he's in us, and we're, his life's in us, we're in charge. Now speak it, and bring the thing under authority. Um, but they about misinterpreted it. He models for them. You see, their application was get the other side, but the interpretation was where the problem was. Everybody alright? Yep, it's good. Yeah, yeah. So you need an objective proof of an unseen reality for you to really... Uh, be able to mark out on God's Word when He tells you something or reveals something to you, whether it's dream, vision, angelic realm, 
However, he, through a bird singing and chirping in the trees, tertiary, through his word that comes to you, you've got to have it objective. And this is, this I've found to be what shipwrecks so many believers, especially those that start to realize he's calling me higher. He's calling me into something uh, beyond the minutiae of everyday life. I'm having encounters, right? I think everybody in here has been having encounters. But how do I take the encounter of heaven and bring it to earth? We need a proper interpretation. And this is just, you know, uh, even in the Old Covenant, and even if Jesus is being arraigned by Caiaphas, two witnesses. The Lord had changed that. Um, and Jesus will even tell people, He'll say, uh, the Father bears witness of what I say to you. Now, we're going to get into that today, but how can I be so close to Him that He becomes the witness of me, living His life out through me? Because uh, the Father's always at work, and He's wanting to work through our lives. It's not us working for God. That's actually a false gospel. just want to say that up front. It's about Him working His life through us. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to do this for you. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to die for you. I'm going to, I'm going to be resurrected for you. I'm going to be ascended for you. I'm going to do the whole thing for you. All I need you to do is agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that right there, that's, that's Christianity 101. And so we don't have to try to do anything, make anything happen. We live out of a relationship with, with Him. So, so what I have today is I have 2 Peter 1. And, um, and, and I think the function of today's meeting, uh, at least from what I'm hearing from the Lord, is hopefully to take away, to take away some of the traps to, uh, that the enemy has used, or even ourselves in our own situations, have used uh, to keep us from peering into the things of heaven and actually bringing heaven to earth. Um, and 2 Peter 1 is really, really good on this. And um, I'm going to... He, he gives an introduction. I'm going to go past his introduction. And let's go to verse 3. And for His divine power has bestowed upon us all things to life and godliness. Through the full personal knowledge, and I'm in the AMPC version, that's Amplified Classic. The knowledge of Him who called us by and to His own glory and excellence. Um, by, by means of these, He has bestowed on us His precious and exceeding great promises, so that through them you may escape from the moral decay that is in the world because of covetousness and become shares of the divine nature. For this very reason, adding your diligence to the divine promises, employ every effort in exercising your faith. Now, he says to employ every effort to exercise your faith. So this is why I'm making an emphasis to you about... Uh, a faith is faith, a definition of faith, 
Faith is a substance of things hoped for, an objective proof of an unseen reality. Why? Because if you misexercise your faith, you can't even get lost into this, what Peter's saying. So if there's a misappropriation of faith because of a misunderstanding, he's saying, well, hey, look, everybody, make sure that you uh, make every effort in your life to exercise your faith. So you can see why it's important that we understand what the definition of faith is, right? If I have a misunderstanding or a misapplication of even what the definition of faith is, then uh, how am I going to develop? You can't grow. Uh, um, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's a gift of God. It's not of works lest any man should boast. First of all, understand what come, what what is faith? Well, faith comes by grace. Where does grace originate with? The Father. From the Godhead. And you got to understand this. The faith that you have is not your faith in what, what, what we call faith in faith. That's not faith. Faith comes from grace from the Father who gives you faith. And lays in your life an objective proof of an unseen reality. So that you're like, oh, that's the Lord. I don't know if y'all say that, but I'm like, this thing's happening. Or it's phenomenal. Why? Because God just showed up and you know that it's Him. And the most exciting thing that will ever happen in your life is when you when God communicates God to you. And that you look back and say, that's Him. That makes him happy. I mean, he receives glory for that. When he's, oh, they got it. They got it. Okay, yeah. You know, that's how we are if you have children. You're like, you're trying to get a point across and then you're just waiting. Are they going to get the point? And then one day a light turns on and you're like, and you see that they got it. The father's no different. He's like, and when he knows that he's communicating himself into your spirit and you say, huh, that's, that's you. And he's like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> now we can grow. And you can't develop in a relationship with your children, your uh, relationships in marriage. You can't develop your relationship with extended family unless there's a get it. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. You get me. You understand me. Well, the Father's no different. He's like, um, he's kind of like, okay, give them grace. Because they need it. <laughs> <laughs> Grace to trust me. This is what's so wonderful about him. They need grace just to trust me, so I'm giving them grace for trust. And and so they're like, oh, it's you. Wait a minute. It's you. It's like, yeah, it's me. It's you. Yeah, it's me. Oh. And you and you say back to him whatever he's saying to you, and he's like, oh, oh I love it. You got me. And he's like, yeah. Oh man. I'm going to give them something else. That's, that's how faith works. It's a relationship with the Father. So he's like, okay, so, so he's saying here, he's like, oh, um, he's saying, now make this your, make this everything in your life. He's like, put this as the highest priority to exercise your relationship with the Lord. Why? Because God wants to develop virtue in you. 
He wants to give you His divine nature. And hey, we need it. Yes. <laughs> we need self-control. We need love. We need God. We need, we need goodness. We need the tenderness of kindness. You know, we need peace that rules and governs. We need these qualities of the Godhead communicated to us. I don't know, all y'all understand this, that when grace moves on you and you respond to Him who's giving you faith to that objective reality, that what He's doing is imparting His nature into you through that experience. God's giving you His own nature through the experience. Now this is something an earthly father cannot do for you. Hebrews 12 says they disciplined you, but they can't give you their nature. Uh, man, I'd like to sometime with my six. You know, I'm like, I wish I could just give you all the godly traits that you need right now. Uh, I can't do that. I can pray for them that the Father will give them grace to give them His nature. You can't look at somebody else and say, I wish you'd get it, which we all have. Or we've been aggravated or whatever, frustrated because, you know, they always are tripping up on this thing. We did, nothing that can be done for us besides God's grace. So we can pray for them. Pray for ourselves. Pray for others. But there's no movement in God apart from faith. Abraham believed God and it was what? God called him righteous. And uh, I was going to preach a message once called From Pimp to Papa. <laughs> Abraham picked his wife out. And God calls him the father. Yeah. Uh, it don't look good. Brian's not looking good. This man's being called something. And he is not, evidently, a godly man. He's afraid. He's lying. He's, tell, well, he's telling a half-truth. It's his half-sister. Sarah is. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's saving his own skin and famine. I mean, all the traits that are not fatherly. <laughs> and God's calling him righteous. The Lord has a whole different... He's got Lot whose soul's vexed and he's over there basically sitting in sodomy and pornographic filth and he's calling him a righteous man. Jacob. I mean, I'm getting into stuff that kind of hurts, upsets people but because it's the, it's the doctrine of sovereign grace and it's the doctrine of election and predestination that I'm really saying here. It's God has elected those that are His own. And he's and Peter's gonna get into this. It's really important that you get this. And he told me today to make this clear to, to you. So that you're not offended with him, and so that you mature in the place of going deeper with him into the heavenly realms and in your relationship with him as father. So he says, Hey, again, I'm just I think that every, I think this has been communicated effectively now by Peter's word. Make, make sure that you are doing every effort in exercising your faith to develop virtue and in virtue. Now, he's going to go on and say, uh, I'm going to go beyond virtue and I'm going to go into knowledge. And I want to say this before I get down to this verse because uh, the reason why I'm laying this foundation in this is the Holy Spirit, 
said that many of you that are here today, or he's put this to me over there, he said, a lot of these, that you're actually engaged in this full well, you just need to be encouraged. And then, but we're going to get into some heavier stuff that's in 2 Peter 1. But he wants you to be encouraged because many of you are actually walking in this right now. I'm just here to encourage you uh, to continue walking with him with a non-offended heart because he's going to draw you into some deeper places in him. And he wants to set you up to come deeper with him. And so he says, uh, it says so, so, when, so I believe that many of you have already been exercised in the Lord in virtue. Well, I don't believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to me that many of you are walking in godly virtue. Many of you are walking in knowledge and understanding of God's Word. He told me that you are actually exercising that knowledge which is leading to self-control in your life. You've learned, you're learning what it means to walk in godly self-control. Um, and you've been exercising your, the self-control that you received by grace through faith, and you're coming into a place with a steadfast heart that your eyes are on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. I feel certain of this, that he said they have steadfastness towards me. Um, and that you've learned steadfastness through patient endurance of difficult places in your life. That you know this path. And that it is developing in you, and I can feel, feel this in many of you, godliness. Or what they call piety. A godly nature. A nature that looks like himself. And in exercising godliness... It has brought you to affection towards your brothers and sisters, that you love them. And maybe you're surprised uh, at that love. I, I am. I didn't know I knew how to love at all. I was completely self-centered, so I didn't really know anything about love. But when brotherly affection arises in your heart, you really love each other. And you're like, yeah, I see, I see what you're going through, but I love you. I, I'm calling those things which are not as though they are, because I've received righteousness and I care about you. I think that you're really amazing in Him and I see something better in you than maybe what your circumstance is telling you right now and I just want to call that out. Mm -hmm. That's called brotherly. That's an aspect of brotherly affection. Mm -hmm. Is you, You've got to pass the point of I see your faults. Mm -hmm. You've come to another reality of Him that love covers a multitude of sins. Mm -hmm. you're, not, you're walking in truth which is part of brotherly affection because it must be truth with love. You're not dismissing confrontation with one another because you must confront things if you really love. Like if you really love somebody, you really love them, you'll confront things with them. You don't just like, well, done with you. You made my life hard and I've, you've hurt my feelings too much and I'm done with you. I'm writing you off. Brotherly affection doesn't do that. But it comes and it says, you know what? This is bothering me. In our relationship, and I feel like it is putting a distance between us, and I want to try to mend, bridge the gap with you. That's brotherly affection. Uh, and that really, and then it says, out of brotherly affection is Christian love. And 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 that, I felt the Lord said to me over here, He said, These qualities are yours. And He said, This group you're with today, these qualities are theirs. Um, and increasingly abound in you. And they will keep you from being idle or unfruitful 
um, unto the full personal knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. For whoever lacks these qualities is blind and spiritually short-sighted, um, seeing only what is near to him and has become oblivious. Listen to this, because the, the enemy plays on this with God's people all the time, has become oblivious to their, uh, that they were cleansed from their own old sins. Listen, like our relationship, what happens, this happens in a church unfortunately so much that people start turning on each other and mm -hmm. devouring one another, forgetting what they've been redeemed from themselves. Mm -hmm. They see the fault in the brother and sister and forget. And Galatians speaks of it. He says, you're going back to Sinai. You went back to the law and you become a legalist. And Paul's and his admonition in Galatians is like, don't turn back to the weak and beggarly elements of pointing and highlighting all this in yourself and in others. Turn back to the grace that's been extended to you by Jesus. Turn back to that and turn away from this thing that is drawing us away from Christian love and brotherly affection. He's saying that those who have become oblivious to this fact, that they've been cleansed from their sins. You know, maybe when you're going through something with somebody and really rubbing you the wrong way, you're really going through, through it, that you say, Lord, take me back to my salvation. Take me back to the day that you redeemed me when I was undeserving and I deserved death. I deserved hell. I didn't do anything to be saved. And that this is something, you know, I believe with all my heart that it was God who chose you and it was God who saved you. It was God who justifies you. Meaning that uh, the Lord Himself decided to save you and He's the one who came in and saved you when you were sitting there totally depraved, that would never choose God. You would never, there was an iota inside of you that would choose God at all. So he justified you freely and what we call imputed righteousness. He imputed righteousness to you freely. Now, your sanctification, what we're dealing with today, you have to partner with him if you want to. You don't have to. I mean, you can stay justified and you're going to stand before him one day and... and He's going to be like, what's your plea? And he'll say, I plead the blood. And he's like, exactly. You may enter in. But if I go to plead my works, Matthew, was it, uh, is it seven? Many will say. And he'll say, depart from me. Yes. I'm talking about all the charismatic gifts and the best exegetes of Scripture. Mm -hmm. We'll say, we did these things in your name. And he'll say, I don't know you. You're a worker of iniquity. Let that let that trouble you. And I remember preaching it years ago. And I had a man come up and he was a pastor. He came up at the end of the service and he was weeping. He's shaking all over. And he's like, and I, and I was like, what's the matter? He said, oh, I'm gripped, Carol. I'm gripped. He said, I've done that. I've healed the sick. I've done all these things for God. I've, I've preached the word. But he says, when you said, he says, I don't know you. I was like, everybody's going around asking people, do you know God? And what they should be going around saying, does God know you? Mm -hmm. And do you know that He knows you? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the real question. It's, it's not putting like, oh, well, accept the poor little Savior Jesus. It's, it's, 
It's does God know you and do you know that He knows you? Do you have that wow of the human spirit that says, He just encountered me. That was you, Lord. Um, let anything else be suspect, but let that be the most important thing because He's going to say to many, well, it doesn't say a few that didn't get it. It says many are going to be doing works of, of, of healing, deliverance ministries. Many are going to be uh, exegeting Scripture and the brilliant theologian. And they say, I don't know who you are. You're a worker of iniquity. You were always doing it for your own good. It was for your own glory. It never had anything to do with me. It wasn't out of relationship with me. This is how serious uh, this is. And, and, uh, and, and Peter is saying this. He's like... Uh, he wants you to make sure. And so he goes on, he said, because of this, brethren, be all the more solicitous and eager to make sure, and, and this word means to ratify, to strengthen, to make steadfast your calling and election. Peter saying, with eagerness, with like how a document is ratified. Like, y'all remember when they ratified the, what, the Constitution of the United States? Y'all always hear about the ratification of that. When they signed that agreement and they made sure that line upon line was written out in that Constitution, they were looking at it and examining it and adhering to it. And then the John Hancock comes and, the, right? They make sure that thing is right and that they all agree with every single jot and tittle. He's saying this is more important than that. Make sure that you ratify or eager to or strengthen, make steadfast what your calling and your election. Uh, now, in this passage here, like, Go with me to John 13, and, I, and I'll show you, I'll show you uh, this um, in that passage. John 13, uh, verse 1. Um, now, but before the Passover feast began, Jesus knew and was fully aware that the time had come for Him to leave this world and to return to the Father. Now, now in this passage of Peter, this is what's happening with Peter. Uh, Peter is, is going to lose his life. They're, they're actually going to crucify him upside down, right? And so when Peter's leaving us this word out of 2 Peter 1, uh, it's similar in respect to what's happening with the Lord here that the Lord had become fully aware, and we're going to read this later, Peter, just like G, uh, Peter, excuse me, Jesus had was aware, and so was Peter, of, of this one thing. He was fully aware that his time had come to leave this world and return to the Father. Now, so my, my, my task today, all I've been doing right now is building a context to make sure we're on the same page so I can get to the task of what I'm here for. The task is, the time has come for Him to leave this world and return to the Father. The, uh, the time has come for us to prepare to leave this world and to be with our Father. 
the time the time is upon us. The Father is preparing a bride for His Son to leave this world. Now we're going to come back and rule and reign with Him. I believe for a thousand years. But we're going to go up. He's going to come down. We're going to meet Him, and we're going to go up through Jerusalem, and you know the blood of. It's going to come up through Edom and Basra and blood's going to be splattered everywhere and the blood's going to be at the horse's bridles. He's going to smote all his enemies out of the sword of his mouth. The Lord is. We're going to meet him in there and come back down. But the time has come and is upon us for him to leave this world and return to the Father. And he has loved those who were his own. In this world, and you know, my prayer is that everyone on the side of my voice is his own. He loved them to the last and to the highest degree. And it says, so during the supper, who's apparently there? Lucifer has put the thought of betraying Jesus in the heart of the Iscariot, Simon's son. That Jesus, knowing, fully aware, and, and this is what I want to highlight after building this context with you today. Uh, he was fully aware that the Father had put everything into His hands and that He had come from God. In one translation, that He had come from the Father and He was returning to the Father. And knowing that, with full awareness, He gets a towel, girds Himself, and begins to wash their feet. Jesus had a revelation from the Father That I came from Him and I'm going back to Him. He had the revelation of what people call eternity past and eternity future, which is still outside of time because the Father dwells and the Word right now outside of space and time. They dwell in another dimension that's outside of time. And He knew that I was begotten of the Father that I'll never be satisfied until I'm back with the Father. And you and I weren't made any different. Uh, uh, and this is hard for some people to understand, but you know, I'll, I'll just tell you the experience I had, and I'll just bring us into this, and then I'll confirm it with Scripture because it has to be objectively true. But I was asking the Word about Job 38, 6-7, and it says, And the morning stars sang together, and the sons of God shouted for joy. I believe that's how it went. Up. Uh, and I said, Lord, what? I remember I stood up on the mountain and saluted, and I said, What? What's this passage about? And, uh, you know, subjectively, I feel like the Father, the Holy Spirit says to me, You were with me before time began, you were in me. And I sent you into this body that's corrupted by sin and is going through a process of sanctification. You were with me. And he shared with me that the greatest reality of the human soul is to go pre-Eden. That we would not be fully satisfied until we knew we come from Him we're going back to Him. Because He's our Father. He's our Father. And nothing can ever meet the longing of the human heart except to be embraced by the Father. We, we need it. This is this whole journey that you and I are on. Is to have the warm embrace of a father. 
your identity completely restored, your sense of well-being uh, to be hugged, to be embraced, to be his own special one. That the pains that we're all dealing with is saying, I'm not special. Uh, I don't count. I don't have greatness. Uh, somebody's telling you how messed up you are. And you, you, or you're like telling yourself how messed up you are. But the greatest affirmation of the human spirit is to be known that you're loved by the Father. And, uh, and then he says, come child, sit on my lap. You're like, who me? You, do you know who you're talking to? Do you know how? He's like, come here and sit with me. And communion with me. And Jesus had a revelation of this. And uh, so I, I said, Genesis 38, 6 and 7, what's this about? And uh, ne- let's see, that next day, or it was that evening, I get a phone call uh, by uh, Danilo Castillo. He's from South America somewhere. And he says, uh, hey, can I meet with you in the morning? And I said, sure. And I've been told as a pastor for years, the Lord gave me some things. And he said, if somebody calls you and wants to meet with you, do everything you can to be at that meeting. I mean, that's uh, why I'm here today. I was called upon. But he said, if you're called upon, you go where you're asked to go. But you don't need to go try to make things happen. I was like, okay. I got you. Because I did my share of trying to make things happen. I don't really work really well. <laughs> uh, performance-based idolatry and all that stuff is not the gospel. But, you know, so uh, the next day, Danilo Castillo and I meet at Barnes & Noble over in Biltmore Park, and he looks at me and he said, uh, he looks around like this, like, I was like, like he's CIA or something. And he's like, looks around, he's checking everybody around us. And goes, you know what Job 38.6 means? <laughs> and so, I was like, No, you're not. You know, because because, and I hope you're hearing from this. Ask the Father questions, and He'll give you an answer. I mean, I've been so thankful because I'll get answers sometimes like that. Now they're not all like that, but you ask Him. Listen, you ask Him. Well, He's the one that actually put the question there, and He. I don't know if y'all realize that, but He's creating events in your life to actually make questions so you'll ask Him because He wants to encounter you. Some people don't understand that. They're like, oh, he's the one that made the question through the circumstance I'm in. So I'd ask him the question so he can reveal himself to me. The Father's like that. He's really cool like that. He sets it up all the time. So he set me up. You know, and I'm like, Danilo looks around and he said, they think I'm crazy. You know, Carol, it's called Genesis Zero. You were with the Father before time began. Wow. And I mean, my spirit, man, I was like, oh, 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 <laughs> you know, you know, because you're just like, I mean, I live for this every day. If this doesn't happen to me for like one or two days, I get really discouraged. <laughs> I'm in such a place with him now that I have almost daily I have an encounter like this now. Question to answer, question to answer, objective proof of an unseen reality constantly. And wow, I'm like, oh, and I got hundreds of stories, thousands maybe, I don't know, stories, because I'm just like, oh, oh, it's you, Father. Mm-hmm. Again, he's like, even driving over here, he's, he's like, new prospects, you know, over mountain vineyards, and I have all this encounter going on, I just came out of a meeting about this whole thing, and don't even know that this is where all this, where, this meeting day, and that's a whole other story. Mm. But I, even the place we're sitting right now is a prophetic word from God that has to do with the awakening of the United States of America. 
there's a lot going on in this room right now. So I'm like, oh, oh. I'm on my way. I'm like, oh, it's you again. You're every, you're doing this. You're all, you're in the middle of this. You're with us. You love us. Just driving over here, weeping like, how did you do that? Fuck, you did it again. There you are again. There you are again, Lord. You know, and so I'm like, become like a junkie for this. You know, I'm like, I got, I got to have my next fix. Because <laughs> without it, I just get kind of like, uh, you know. Where's the Father? You know, and you're made this way. We're made to be wild and stimulated by Him. And if you will, like, what you already have, you've been, you've been in this journey with Him. He told me. He's like, they're already. They're getting Christian love and brotherly affection. This group is getting this. I'm wanting to bring them into a greater wow. Amen. I want to come into a greater experiential revelation with my children. Now let me tell you this. This is by means of the cross. I don't want to. It's by means of the cross of Christ. And because Paul, he came into this and he said that I won't preach anything but Christ and Him crucified. The Greeks are seeking after wisdom and the Jews signs and wonders. But I will preach the cross of Jesus. Because I want to tell you, this revelation for many of us will come with not choosing yourself. You will choose the path of the cross. And when you do, you will be stimulated over and over with the love of the Father. And it's worth it. It's worth it saying yes to the Lord. It's worth, it's worth all the trials that you go through. It's worth the hardships and the, the assaults. They're worth it. Because uh, He says it. He says, this will pale in comparison to the greater glory that will be revealed in us. And I, I would just like challenge you to lean into the cross of Christ. This power that stimulates the human soul to be known by Him. And I'm thankful for the suffering and the trials because I had another encounter after another trial. And I got to know my Father again. And a new aspect of the revelation of the beauty of the man Jesus by the Holy Spirit, right? And so, um, so my chance is zero, and then now you're down washing their feet. You're the King of Glory. What do you see here? Humility. Humility means complete, utter dependency upon God. It's not like a I'm worthless. I'll never amount to anything. That's not humility. That's false humility. No, it's it's. I can't do anything without you and I don't want to do anything or Jesus said himself, I do nothing except what I see my father doing. I do nothing. I don't even wash the table. You know, I don't know to what extent this goes. I'm finding out. It goes to every extent. Until Jesus is so living his life through you that it's not your own anymore. Amen. Well, you've been bought with a price. You've been purchased for him to take over. Mm -hmm. And it's good. Let him have his way. Because when he starts to take over, oh, you're just like, oh, I was made for this. And it's like, oh, there comes another trial. I don't understand. He's like, for the abundance of revelation, Paul, thorn in the flesh. But, oh, man, I just got caught up into another dimension, another aspect of him. Who I'm coming to another experiential revelation of my Father. And Jesus got this at Passover while Satan 
has entered into. His friend, Judas, who's going to betray him. Jesus is down on his knees watching people's feet. You ever been in a, you ever been betrayed by somebody? Ooh, that's that's part of Christian training. Maybe that's Christian training 301. <laughs> but man, being betrayed by somebody that's been a dear associate of yours and a friend of yours is very painful. Jesus, in the middle of his betrayal, is washing the feet of the people that are all going to betray him. You and me, them. They don't get him. You ever been in a context with somebody and they don't even get you? Do you know how hard it is to be with people that don't get your life in God mm-hmm. and misinterpret you? Yes. This is really difficult. And then at the same time to embrace humility and the unseen when you're unknown and your life in God is hidden in Christ and God. This is what's happening to the Lord. He's serving in the context of betrayal by the guy who's uh, taking money out of the treasury How is he able to be in the midst of betrayal? In the midst of not even being known because everybody in there wants to make themselves kings and be awesome. And he's going to go die and all they want to talk about is how I'm going to be the next guy that's going to sit on the throne and be great in your kingdom. They don't get him at all. And how is he able to bear the weight of the cross in the misunderstanding of the ones who have walked with Him the closest and still don't get His mentality. And betraying. And knows that His closest guy, Peter, is going to betray. But loves Him. That's even seen Him transfigured. And is going to... A little girl is going to get the best of this great, mighty, going to be Simeonite preacher. Because Satan's desire to sift him as wheat, you know, and he's going to. You know, uh, in the context of all that, Jesus is washing their feet. Oh man, that's some kind of special Lord. Mm-hmm. I, it took me three and a half years to preach through the Gospel of Mark, line by line. And man, when I saw him, I said, "Oh, you're, you're amazing. Yeah. You're, oh, you're amazing, Jesus. You're amazing. You're, we're not like you. Like you give and you serve." Uh, you're not you're not convoluted by the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You're not staring at it to the left to get more sensationalism and merchandising people and using them. You're really a laid down man. But how was he able to do this? Listen to what Peter's saying to us today, saying, "Make sure of your calling and election. Make sure that you know you came from the Father and you're going back to Him. If you want to go deep in God." You need to know about your predestination and election. You know, you need to know that. You need to know with surety. We call it assurance that I'm His and He is mine. And that He can have me, all of me. Whether I'm ever known and seen or not, and whether I'm betrayed or not, my life is His and I'll humble myself and serve the body of Christ. You know, this is a trophy of, of, of God that He's wanting to extend us, and this is how you go up in the heavens. Um, you can't make it through what we're about to go through without this, this training and teaching. We have to have this. We have to look to Jesus. We, we, folks, there's some stuff coming on the earth. I mean, it, 
it's going to be the great and terrible day of the Lord. And Lucifer, he's just like he goes in there to make a betrayal. There's going to be a great apostasy. You're, there's people that they're going to fall away because this message is so painful. Because really, what people have been doing is they're hiding out in the church to be seen. They've been like looking for. Um, they've been looking to be seen by men. They've been looking to assert their own rights and their own ideas. There's so much of this going on. And they've been working off their own experiences and not the Word of God. They don't have a relationship with Him. And there's going to be this great falling away. And yes, there's going to be a great outpouring of God's Spirit. It's the great and terrible day. But you and I, hopefully all of us, we're just going to keep saying yes to His way. Because you will be betrayed if you haven't already. It's, brother, they'll turn against each other. People are going to turn against the people of God. And we have to have this grounded in us now to prepare us for Him. But why is He allowing that? Because He wants to prepare us by sanctifying us and prepare us a bride without spot or wrinkle. This is the mechanism of the Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit mediating His life through us. Listen, when the Lord starts to call you up into heavenly realities, it starts to pull you into those dimensions. He's doing it, yes, for two purposes. One is for the purpose of your sanctification. To deal with iniquity that's inside of us that we were all born into. And the other one is to manifest His glory through you. Jesus' glory is manifested here in this context. And we think, now how is His glory manifested in a dusty gym, uh, you know, little village somewhere where everybody's feet dirty? It doesn't make any sense to us. I thought His glory would be seen in these big events. And I'm not saying they won't. But He didn't come to Moses like that. He's in a little bush. It's not in a big tree. We may miss God because maybe He doesn't come in the big grand thing. Maybe He's coming in... You know, I, I found this out. I, I, we have these meetings and stuff and sometimes... People, you know, there are people in the room sometimes nobody sees. I don't know if you've ever been that person. I think all of us have been that person at some time. And sometimes those people have the greatest Word of God sitting in their mouth. I mean, I learned this because I have little widows that nobody sees in the room because it's not, they're not showy and seen and everything. Come up and say a word. Or some people that even um, have a really bad dialect or can't speak effectively or whatever and are sort of mumbling and or seem insane and have more of God working in them than That's some right. of the greatest preachers I've ever heard. That's and if you don't have eyes on to see through humility, the eyes of that, you'll miss God. Mm -hmm. uh, I've actually got to watch this pastoring after a decade. I've got to watch people literally, the Lord will let me watch them miss Him. And then I said, I'm going to tell Him. He said, no, you're not. You, you can't tell them because they wouldn't even listen to you if you did. And I said, oh, Lord, is this like Lazarus caught up in the... Uh, telling him, let's go back and tell his five brothers? He's like, similarly, yes. Even if you were to come and tell them, their pride would resist the, what I'm trying to say to them. And this is really hard to deal with when you want to go help someone and you can't because the Father himself said, it won't make a difference if you talk to them or not because their soul is re resisting the humility that is required to walk with me, to see me. Uh, so one of the things I hope you're getting from this is 
My unseen life before God matters to Him. I don't need to be seen. I don't need to be heard either. And, and I, uh, Because my private life and devotion, that's why He says, go into a closet. Let your arms not be done before man. He tells you, I'll reward you openly. Because one day the reward's going to come. And I'd like to see everybody seated on thrones with the Father. You know what I mean? Uh, one day it's going to be seen for what it is. We may be really surprised. Uh, did you learn to love? You know, like you mentioned uh, about Bob Jones. I mean, did you learn to love? And uh, I, I, I love this because in Peter, he doesn't have this, he doesn't have these big eyed personalities. Uh, in the body of Christ, it says, oh, that person is going to be awesome in the presence of God. No, there's no big guy in front of God. There's no big personalities that's going to be, like, I mean, we don't know, and I heard one preacher say this, we don't know how God's going to look at Billy Graham or Billy Graham's nanny. He might look better at Billy Graham's nanny. I don't know. How do we know? You know, we might not think that, because we all think, that's an amazing man of God. He's done a great work, but we don't know how God views things like that. We don't know how deep His heart went in love. We don't know. And so there's hope for all of us in the grace of God. It doesn't diminish anybody. And the Word doesn't do that. It doesn't matter what your vocation is. It doesn't matter what your gender is. It doesn't matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter. It matters that when He moves on you that you say, Yes, Lord. Oh, but that one's painful. You said give that away or go send that person a card or they mistreated me. He's like, just say yes. They're like, oh, I don't, I don't like the way that feels. I feel like they mistreated They don't always say He's like, say yes to me. So you can't do that without... I remember in 07 when I learned, when the, I had an encounter with the Lord about election and predestination and it so wrecked me. Uh... I don't know if I'll tell that story, but it's so messed with me. Because I, doctrinally, I didn't buy into that. I thought, well, everybody's been chosen by God and all this stuff. And I'm going through Romans 9 in my Greek exegesis class. And, and I, I um, well, I'll just tell you, I, I was, uh, because this was significant and it has to do with today. But I was uh, uh, offered a job by my brother-in-law, Lucas, at this lady, Mr. and Mrs. Whitehouse, to go remodel their... Uh, the, uh, an attic space. And uh, I was finishing up the remodel on it uh, and I was painting the walls. And uh, uh, and I'm in Romans 9 and I'm on and, and I'm in the sovereignty of God. I'm in Dr. Rollin Graham's um, class and degree on Romans 9. And uh, and I'm going through the passages in my head about uh, the potter's clay. He's made some vessels for honor, some for dishonor. And I'm like working this out in my head, and I was like, oh, paint the wall, you know, and I'm just like struggling with this passage. You know, I'm like, up to Romans 8, I was fine. Romans 9 through 11, I'm struggling. You know, <laughs> and. Uh, I'm like, I agree with Romans 1. I agree with Romans 2. I agree with Romans 3. You know, but when I got Romans 9, I'm like, you know, like tweaking out. And and the Holy Spirit just, you know, whispers this to me. He said, what if I told you it was true? 
And I literally hollered in the uh, in that room. If that's who you are, I can't serve you. That <laughs> you've elected those for you and others not for you. I can't deal with that. I just cannot deal with it. And uh, and I'm not here to try to deal with it right now with you. I don't know that I still can deal with it. But I just was sitting there and he said, well, I'm going to make it easy for you. You're a one, two, three kind of guy. Now, what I'm saying here is Peter's word to us, make your calling and election sure. Make sure deep down you wrestle with what I'm telling you. Please wrestle with it. He says, wrestle with it. Get steadfast about it. Ratify it. This issue that I'm dealing with right now that Peter was dealing with. Because it is foundational after Christian love that this foundation is established in you. Make sure of it. Why? Make sure of the Genesis zero reality. Make sure that you come into a depth of God that you know that you were in Him before time again. Make sure that of your predestination and election. Make sure. Because I'll tell you why it's so necessary because of what we're about to go through, you won't be able to stand up under it. You'll get offended with God, the Father. You will, I'm telling you, you'll get offended with Him when things don't, your interpretation don't go right. If you don't understand deeply because you'll think you have something to do with it. Hear me out in this. If I have something to do with my salvation, then I have something to do with it. Like I chose God. Then what it does in me is it creates in me a righteousness that I can get based off my works. Now hear me out. Because it will become an offense to you when God starts to move in a way that you're not ready for. We'll be offended with the Father. And this is so foundational. I just came out of a meeting on this. Of laying that this foundation must be laid in us, and I'm not telling you to believe it because I say it. I am telling you to examine God's word and ask Him to reveal this truth to you, because I wouldn't even believe it if God wasn't revealed it to me. I'd have a revelation to understand this. This happens in 07. upstairs room. Air conditioning's not turned on yet. I don't think it was. We just got this room. We're finished out wrestling with Romans nine. Wrestling with the vessels of honor and one's created for destruction and one's created for honor. And I'm, whoa. I don't like this. You know, that I don't like that you're selective. I don't, you know, aren't we all important? All this stuff, you know, I'm like, don't you owe us something? And this sort of thing. Don't I, am I not owed something? And I mean, it's all in there. And uh, entitlement, uh, elitism. Entitlement on the left, elitism on the right, it's all in there. It's an offense and affront to God who has no man nothing uh, but, but killed his own son for us. Um, and so, anyways, I'm wrestling with it, and, and he said, What are you about to tell you? No, I will not serve you. And you are not my God. I mean, I'm like that. I can't deal with this. No. And. So the Lord says, I'm going to make it real easy for you because you're a one, two, three kind of guy. You know, because I'm like chronological. And he's like, so here's the one, two, three. Uh, 
who created your brother-in-law? Or who, who got you this job? I said, Lucas. He said, who created him? I was like, you did. Okay, okay, we're doing good. Or it's like, we're doing good. Okay, so, uh, um, now, um, would, would you agree with me, son, that, uh, uh, that I created you? And I was like, yep, yep, I agree with that. I have to. You know, I'm not a Darwinian evolutionist. I believe God's created by you, Lord. He's like, okay, okay. Um, and uh, who, uh, uh, who told you to go to Gordon Caldwell Theological Seminary? I was like, oh, I knew it was him because I was like, I'm not going to seminary. And I had this encounter with him and I knew to go there. And I thought they would all be just academic, academic, academics. And there, it wasn't the press of the world was there. I was really surprised. But it was a wonderful experience with the Lord. I mean, Dr. Coleman, he got down on his knees and read us Revelation with his tears in his eyes. And he's the guy over world evangelization. And I mean, when I said him, me and my buddy, we ran to the prayer room and took our lunch and just cried out to God because we got so touched by a man of God who's up at Harvard preaching right outside of Harvard. <laughs> and it loves the Lord, tender, godly, silver-headed man who wouldn't even take his income and use it, but lives in the dormitory with the rest of the kids so that he could sacrifice his life. And I saw the life of God that man. And, you know, and so I, I, I had a lot of wonderful experiences at Gordon Conwell. And so, and again, I mean, Greek exegesis on Romans 9, you know. And, and he said, so I told you to go to school there, right? I said, yeah. He said, so you would say that I'm the one that told you to do that, right? Like, yeah, he said, and, and who do you think has helped you with your schedule? And I was like, well, so far everything's been you, Lord. <laughs> you? <laughs> You're in control of everything. I'm like, you, Lord? And I knew that would be true. Because I got in at the last minute by the skin of my teeth and flying right into it, and it wasn't like something I could have pulled off. I was forcing it in a way I got in and got all my stuff ready. You know, for the school and all that. I was like, you, Lord. It's you again. <laughs> so he'd say, it's not you. And I was like, yeah, it's not me. He's like, oh, okay, Mr. and Mrs. White, who created them? I was like, all right, Lord, are we on repeat here? He's like, you, Lord. And he said to me, he said, uh, uh, he said, Miss White picked out uh, the uh, the uh, the paint that you're using right now, right? And I said, yeah. She had to have Benjamin Moore. She had to have the most expensive ones come out of my budget. Yeah, she had to have the fifty dollar thing of paint instead of the twenty seven dollar and fifty cent campaign. I was like, that was Miss White, Lord. She picked this out. And he, he said, uh, I'm rolling the paint while he says this. He says, uh, what's the color of the paint, folks? It was Potter's clay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And I, I, I tell you, I fell down on my knees and I wept like a baby. Because mm -hmm. it just hit me all of a sudden. You love me. You know, oh, Jesus, you saved me. You know I'm nothing's good about me. And it just hit me and I worshipped him. I really, really worshipped him because I knew him to be my father. And I knew that there was nothing different about me than anybody else. Mm -hmm. So, 
The frozen chosen is what they've been called a lot of times. When people arrogantly talk about election and predestination out of an arrogance, they don't really know him, maybe. Now that sounds like, how is that possible for the people who promote this doctrine and yet are arrogant about it? You won't be arrogant. It's the most humbling doctrine that there is. The doctrine that says, I picked you. That's humbling. When you know, well, I don't know what, what happened to those 875 people. I mean, don't you know that Noah was probably feeling that? Yeah. <laughs> like to a place of insanity, maybe, that Noah was really experiencing something? Like, why am I eight and no more? It wasn't that God didn't deliver the preaching of Noah. 120 years, preacher of righteousness. They wouldn't turn to they didn't turn towards the Lord at all. Don't you know that Noah is experiencing election, predestination, to cause him to build an ark? I mean, hey, what would cause a man where there's rain never been on the earth to do something like that? Yea, it was a word from God. I'm gonna kill everybody. Not until you've done a lot of preaching. Though. They're not going to turn their hearts towards me. Their hearts were evil towards Him. None of them. You know, you say, well, I don't get it, God. And I'm not asking you to get it. But Peter is saying, get it. I'm saying that every realm of understanding, for me, the foundation upon which was built me in 07 before our ministry began was this was the foundation upon which I had learned from Him before I was even allowed into ministry. And because ministry shipwrecks so many people, I think, and there's been so much abuse in it and wrong, and it's not from Him. There's so much stuff going on that's not God. Yeah. I mean, it's not the Lord at all. Right. And uh, if, if you take notes, go listen to Howard Pittman's placebo. Go listen to it. Please listen to it. Listen to what happens to the man in 1979 when he's taken up to the throne and what the Lord tells him. It shook me so bad. My wife and I, I was weeping when I found when I heard that message. Because he said, the Lord sent him back and threatened him. He had 35 orphans. He was running for political office, was a pastor. And he gets up to heaven and the Lord tells him, your works are an abomination to me. Wow. Why? Because they weren't done in faith. He, all he was doing for the orphan, for political office, for the pastor, was done for his own glory. And I mean, it scared him so bad. He, he talks about that. And it scared me. And I met Howard Pittman. And I thought, I, I was just like, man, th that testimony shook me up. I was like, this is not a game that we're playing here with our souls. This is not a game. Uh, this, this, is, this is serious. I, and, and also it's filled with joy. I don't want to act like this is all serious. This, he's good. He brings gladness to our heart. But this is a serious thing that we're dealing with today. He said, Paul, Peter said, Jesus modeled it. Know where you come from and where you're going. Know it deeply. Okay, now that's a foundation. How, what time is it? Okay, so now I've built my context. Now I can talk about something. <laughs> 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 Take a breather. So like a preacher. <laughs> Just like a preacher. Well, you can't, you, I don't want to take this word lightly. The Lord doesn't want us to take it lightly. He's, he's saying don't take it lightly. 
Uh, he's saying, don't be, he, he says, uh, again, now we're in verse 11. Watch this. You're going to love this, how Peter gets into this. Thus, there will be richly and abundantly provided for you entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thus. Thus. This is the entry mechanism to heaven. So I intend, Peter says, always to remind you about these things. And the Lord sent me here today as a reminder of these things. Why? He's saying, I want to talk about this all the time. Peter's so serious about it and cares so much about it. He's like, I, I, I intend to always tell you about this. I intend to keep rehashing this out with God's people. Although indeed you know them and are firm in the truth that you now hold. I love this because even if the saints weren't, Peter's telling them, I'm prophesying those things that are not as though they are. You know deep down inside that this message resonates with you. And it resonates with you for a reason. It resonates with you for a reason because it comes from Him. And Peter knew that. He knew that this will resonate. When I get into this, it's going to resonate with God's people. They're going to say, I don't understand it, maybe. I don't know exactly if I've had that revelation yet, but it resonates with the Spirit of God that lives inside of me. I think it right as long as I'm in this time and I'm going to stir you up by way of remembrance. Remember what? Well, I came from God and I'm going back to Him. <laughs> Since I know that the laying aside of this body of mine will come speedily. As our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me, Peter knew he's going to die. He said, they're going to take you places you don't want to go when you're an old man. Remember that? Yeah. But that's not a good feeling. You know, like, John, what do you, you like that guy? What are you going to do with him? Well, that's not your business what I'm going to do with him. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you. Oh. Moreover, I will diligently endeavor to see to it that even after my departure or I'm deceased, you may be able at all times to call these things to mind. And I, I think in the context, too, the Holy Spirit's putting this to me, too, about verse uh, 15 today. Because you... you I don't know if all of you have experienced this, but with Lisa's passing. Um, he highlighted verse 15 to me because of Lisa's passing. And I, I'll let you like work that out in your spirit. I don't have to like take all this and explain it to you. But he says, I diligently endeavor to see to it that even after my departure, you may be able to call these things to mind. I'm not saying all the things that happened because of why, because of Lisa's passing. But we've entered into this meeting today, have we not? The Holy Spirit's the one who spoke this word. Because you tasted something of the aspect of decease. Why? To cause us to diligently go after Jesus. I mean, to call to remembrance. To call to remembrance Him. That her life's testimony is... Him. Yes. Right? Yes. Why? Because the world wants to encourage you and me to call these things to mind. To make our election 
and our calling sure. That this isn't a time to come into an offense with the Father. This is a calling towards the Father. Her life compels us yes, yes. to Him. Amen. For we are not following cleverly devised stories when we may not need the power and the coming of the Lord, but we are eyewitnesses of His majesty, grandeur, authority, or and His sovereign power. For when He was invested with honor and glory from God the Father, a voice was born by Him, the majestic glory that overshadowed by a bright cloud, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. We actually heard this voice. You know what he's talking about? Matthew chapter 17, transfiguration of Christ. Okay? We heard a voice that was born out of heaven. For we were together with Him on the holy mountain. Um, okay. Um, Moses, Exodus 24. Elijah, somewhere in Kings, caught up in a chariot. Jesus, Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17, right? Who was there with Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration? Moses and Elijah, right? Remember? Moses is a symbol of the law. Elijah is a symbol of the prophets. Moses is caught up into the mountain in Exodus 24. Come up here and be with me. He will see the Lord and receive the tabernacle instructions that He will put into Israel. And they will build a tabernacle after the model of Christ. And Elijah, right, will be caught up in a chariot. <laughs> <coughs> it all happened at the same time. Moses, Elijah, and the three were all caught up together in the same moment. The moment outside of time that now is. Now, I don't know if that blew your circuits, if it blew mine. There's a place outside called outside of time. What's Peter saying? He's saying, look, there's a foundation that has to be laid in the soul so that you can start to come in and apprehend the kingdom outside of time-dimensional space. And, and if you study this, and I, I've taught this four times since I've been in ministry because it was revealed to me like ten years ago, after my experience with election and calling to be made sure predestination and election, I had an experience with the Lord where He literally told me to turn Exodus 24 and Matthew 17. I didn't even know my Bible. Like now, I know it a little bit better, but and you'll see the same experiences it says on the seventh day or after six days. There'll be a bright cloud there with Moses and the Lord. There'll be lightnings and, and a brightness. And I, and, and I remember saying to the Lord, Y'all were all together at the same time. You know, I'm like, sort of like, Moses is like so many thousand years before this experience. And Elijah's a thousand years, whatever. I don't know my exact dates on it. Years before. So I'm scratching my head. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I don't understand this at all. 
And I, and I knew the Holy Spirit told me to turn to those, and I knew the occurrences were the same. And I knew that they matched. There's a cloud there, and there's a bright light, and there's a seventh day, and there's this whole thing, and it's on a mountain. And I'm like, it's Mount of Transfiguration. And he's up on the mountain. And I'm like, oh. He says it's all the same at the same moment. And Moses and Elijah sitting there, and Peter, James, and John sitting there. And then I hear the Father. This is my beloved Son, and whom I'm well pleased. You know what Jesus tells them after they all get off the ground, scared to death? When they hear a thundering voice of the Father come down, He said, don't tell anybody about this until I've resurrected. Mm -hmm. Elijah's coming. And he's going to restore all things. Well, Peter, you know, he's going to be preaching the gospel after Pentecost in Acts 3. He gets down to verse 21. He says, Jesus is retained in the heavens until the restoration of all things. And go back, and Jesus just told him, Elijah's coming, and he's going to what? Restore all things. Jesus has a retention on him. He can't come down here until the restoration of all things. The spirit of Elijah is coming on the earth. And you know what it is? Malachi 4, 5, and 6. And he will cause the heart of the Father to turn to the children and the children to turn to the Father. It's going to be the greatest orphan movie you've ever seen. Father is going to get his sons and daughters and restore his, their hearts to himself. He's going to restore family. This is his agenda. He's like, as magnificent as that restoration is, well, it really struck a chord with me when I go back to my original calling, Takuna Lam means the restoration of all things. I was like, Lord, what are you trying to say? He's like, one day, you'll come outside the little church and you're going to tell God's people. You're going to tell them Love one another. There's a restorative movement coming. It's not a reformation, folks. It's a restoration between the sons of God and the Father. And Peter's like saying this. He's like, look, guys, this thing's happening. This is going to happen. He, he's, he's up there in heaven. He's saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And, and we're like, you are? You're pleased with him and he's living his life in us. And it says, in Hebrews, he says, it's not a shame to call us brothers, brethren. You're not ashamed of me. Have you looked at me? I don't look half as good as you do. I don't even look good. I'm looking pretty bad right now with all my mess, you know. I'm not ashamed to call you my brothers. He's the firstborn among many brethren. Right? And so you see this whole thing. And, and I, I want to share, the, share this experience. I get caught up into the second heaven. I go up into a portal. Now, you got to understand, I've never been into a portal. I've never been in the second heaven. don't know anything about it. We were worshiping the Lord. And all of a sudden, I'm at this milky, silvery lining, and it's moving. And, I'm, and I bump my head up against the second heaven. And I, I was like, well, I'm sticking my head in that thing. So, because, you know, I like step my head up in it, and I see black, thick, black, moosey kind of material and like light going through it. And the strange thing is, when you get caught up, you're in yourself, but you also see yourself. And that's why Paul said, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, because it's both. 
You're like in your eyes, but you're seeing yourself in your eyes because you're in another dimension. And uh, all of a sudden, I'm in this place, and I, I'm in, we're in a ministry setting, and the worship leader is going, and I feel the pain of the people in the room. Well, I'm their pastor, and it just draws me right back down out of the second heaven, and I go to minister, um, you know, healing and love to everybody, and tell them who they are, and reinforce their identities and all that. And I'm like, man, I don't want to go up and say heaven, you know, but love your people, Lord. And the next day I go back, worshiping the Lord again. There it is again. There's this silvery lining moving. And I'm like, I'm going in the same again. This time I took my hands and put in it and it went out. And I start spinning in the air in a circle like this with my arms and legs out like that. And I said, Lord, I said, is this what you called me for? <laughs> you know, because if I'm a portal opener, you know, it's like, is that my duty to be a portal opener? I'm, you know, I'm feeling kind of... He's like, no, tell the angels come hold the portal open. Well, I spoke a word in tongues. A different word than like intercessory or intimacy with the Father. Some kind of word came out of my mouth. And then I see two angels come with their wings. And they go hold this portal open. And I'm like, alright. So I go up. And all of a sudden a golden ladder appears. And I'm like, this is in 2015. A golden ladder appears. And I'm like, oh man, it's Jacob's ladder. Daggone. There that thing is. And But I'm starting to kind of get like, am I going insane? Is there something wrong with me? Am I, if I really lost it now, my friends are going to think I'm crazy and I think I'm crazy. <laughs> and so, I, but I'm like, I'm climbing that ladder. So I go over there, get on the ladder, and start to climb up the ladder. And a thumb and a forefinger comes down out of the heavens. And it's as big as my body, the thumbnail is, and the finger. And it's got this little cube box in, it, in the hand. And I said, uh, I need a Bible verse. Because I'm like, I'm going tweaky. This is what happens. This is why they put them on the 13th floor and stuff. I'm, I'm going to Broadway. This thing's over. I've done lost it. I've done the enemies attacked me so much that I've literally lost my ever living mind. And the Lord speaks to me. No, James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, of whom there is no variable or shadow of turning. And I'm like, oh, it's the Father. It's his hand. It was a thumb and a forefinger. It's his index finger. I was like, and that hand's as big as I am. His, his thumbnail's as big as I am. I'm like, oh, it's the Father. And I was like, got the little box, and it's as big as my hand. I grab it, and I was like, it's a cube. And I said, uh, what is that? He said, it's a tesseract. And I'm like, oh, no. I've lost it again. I need another Bible verse, Father. Ephesians 3.18. That you may comprehend with all the saints what is the length, the breadth, the height, and the width of God. Because I come to find out that a tesseract is a four-dimensional cube. There's four dimensions to love. The Father speaks to me by the Holy Spirit and He says, my church has come to know me in three dimensions. But to come up here, you need to know a fourth dimension of love. And I was like, oh... We need a fourth dimension. He said, yeah, you can't come into the fifth dimension without love bringing you to the fourth dimension. Come to find out later that the fourth dimension is time. 
And you can't come outside of time unless you go through the path of love. Love is the path through, the way through time. Love is on the other side of it. I was like, oh, well, I hope the body of Christ can get this, Lord. You know, he's like, yeah, because that's what Paul was talking about. He needed to come to find out later that the Tesseract cube is what the, uh, the uh, and you can study this yourself, but the uh, tablets of the law that were built were a cube that was broken in half. It's a, it's a cube and it comes off of the, the uh, foundation of the throne of God, which is sapphire, because this cube was glowing blue. And it's, it's off of the, I, the word in his language, the primordial block of the foundation of the heavens. And Moses received that cube, and in it was the law of God. I'm receiving it, the royal law of love. Receiving this cube, and um, anyway, then a lot more experiences started getting caught up, and uh, never experienced anything like that in my life. Haven't experienced a lot of that since then. Um, and I learned that one of the things that that now now mind you, Peter's talking about this in Second Peter one, and he's saying, and I'm saying to you that. Once you've got brotherly affection and love, Christian love, make sure your foundation is secure in knowing that I am elected and predestined. Because, listen, you can't come up into this next environment without that foundation in your soul. Let me tell you why. Because the enemy was attacking our family so bad. Like hell to pay. And I want to be real with you. It was unreal difficulty in our family. Unreal attacks. Because you know what? You know who's in there in the second heaven? Demons and conflicts. And if you're don't know that you, and the Father won't even permit you. You know why? Because he don't want to lose you because he loves you so much. You'll confuse him that he's against you. And the enemy will lie to you and say he hates you. And because I've had all these lies said to me, he must hate you. He definitely doesn't like you. Because look what you're going through. Because you said yes to him. You see, and I see that you're getting attacked. Because man, we are getting attacked. But I want to be real about it. Mm -hmm. Lucifer was in the room when Jesus was through experiencing this reality in John 13 before he's going to be uh, murdered, crucified. And I just want to be real with you about that. And, and if, if this doesn't happen right now with us, folks, it's coming. I, I only think the reason why my wife and I have been in this assignment, and some of we've been in it, is only to go ahead a little space to tell everybody, this is coming. This is coming for everybody. Because the Father's going to have us caught up. And it's coming. On a global scale, there's going to be persecution against the church. I don't want to make you afraid. Even in the podcast, they'll say, do not be afraid, you know, in my podcast at the beginning. But just, it's like, don't be afraid. Just embrace Him. And He won't, do, he won't bring you into too much if, more than you can handle. <laughs> right? That's what Paul said. But, um, but there is this movement that's afoot for the Lord to restore His heart as Father to His children. And there's a way that He wants to do it. Now, I'm not saying your experience will be like mine. It won't be. You're going to have your own experiences with the Father. 
But I want you to know that these experiences are coming. People are going to go through the darkness uh, with God. They're going to experience Him in, in uh, tough places. And, and many of you haven't already. Because He's putting love into you. And this is how He does it. Um, uh, I, I use the word sublimation. He, you're partaking of the divine nature is like this. It's in Psalms 4.1. It says, He squeezed me and rolled me up so that He could expand me. So, for greater revelation of your the heart of Father for you. And so, please don't be afraid. Do not fear uh, because, you know, perfect love casts out what? He that is made perfect has no reason to fear anymore because he's been perfected in love. Because there is coming a place where the world, like Paul said, the world has nothing in me and I have nothing in the world. What did he mean by that? He meant the world system wants nothing to do with the likes of us. And I don't want to have anything to do with the likes of that world system. Okay. Uh, he's saying, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, it's Christ who's living in me. Um, and so there, there is this call to go up. You know, and I, I, I pray today that you see this laying in of don't let something steal your brotherly affection and your Christian love. Fight for it. Hold to it. Be steadfast about it. Number two, make sure of your election and your calling. And know this, that this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Be faithful in your election and your calling. Get to know. And if what I'm saying to you today, you're like, oh man, I don't have that experience at all. Ask the Lord to give you it. Ask Him that He would solidify you in knowing your calling and election. Mm -hmm. Ask Him. It's not something I can do for you. I can speak of this. And maybe there could be an impartation here today. But it's going to be a, re a realm and a reality He's going to have to bring you into. If you've had that experience of knowing you came from God, you're going, from the Father, you're going back to the Father. Um, don't be afraid to ask Him to engage you into uh, to, to bring you up. Now, I, I want to tell you, I'm not talking about third heaven experiences today. Paul said, you know, uh, he didn't talk about those. He, he just said, I, I, he didn't, he's referencing himself, but he didn't even want to talk about it. I'm talking to you about second heaven experiences. And for, as for me, I haven't had many third heaven experiences. Um, uh, I've had some things happen. I've had a lot of revelation about the third heaven, but I haven't like necessarily experienced it. Uh, and I don't know that I'd even talk about it. However, there is an experience in the grace of God to be uh, for God's love to come into us in a whole new capacity. And there's a place in the Father that is outside of time. Um, when we start to communicate outside of time, um, and I, I, I want to tell you this, not everybody's going to understand you, your life in God. More people are going to actually probably persecute you than help you, so be careful who you talk to. Yes. I just want to say that out of wisdom. Yeah. Be careful who you talk to about these things because it can create undue circumstances in your life that doesn't need to be there. You don't want to add to your afflictions or 
You know, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And so, but you don't want to add to affliction. So here's the thing, James 1, ask for wisdom. Say, Lord, I need wisdom, and ask to keep you harmless as a dove, but wise as a serpent. Wisdom, when to speak, when not to speak, who to speak to, how to speak. Because this place is, is, is serious. And I've got, you know, I have a podcast, and I hope to encourage you if you want to listen to it. It's, you can go in there and listen to the podcast. They're not complete. Henry and I are working on these. Like well, we just recorded this last week, the one that's called the Lucifer Appeal. And it really starts to lay out um, the five eye wheels of Lucifer and, and how, he, how he tries to in, uh, interject himself into our stuff and how to be wise about that. And there's five eye wheels of God and five eye wheels that we can speak, how uh, that David spoke in the Psalms. But there's that podcast, it's called Galactic Progeny. And that galactic means heavenly, and progeny means sun. And you know, sun, sun is a gender neutral term, so it involves both men and women. But uh, I, I, years ago, and it's in one of the podcasts, but I uh, was assigned by the Lord, and he said, You know, I'm going to kill Nelson Mandela, and to show you not to quit because you're not going to want to quit, to give you a global sign because I'm going to glorify men. And, and he was dead three days later. And I said, oh, it's you, Lord. And he said, but uh, your assignment is, uh, which this has been done by the Lord, but it's just to agree with what he's done to pioneer for a glorified body. That's basically the assignment of the restoration of all things. God's going to glorify man. And we're all going to be with the Lord just you know, as he is. When we see him, we will become like him. Or we see him as he is. And, uh, and that's what this podcast is dedicated to. It's dedicated to, right now we're doing 33 stories to encourage God's people, but there's actually 12 phases of human development for God to glorify man. And we're in phase three, folks. There's 12. The body of Christ, I believe globally, and I have this stuff objectively proved, we're just entering into phase three. Oh, actually, 11th will be the glorification of man, and 12th is actually the millennial reign, and yay, beyond the millennial reign, when we're actually sitting in other galaxies, uh, ruling and reigning with Christ, because this government has no end. You know, Isaiah, what is that, chapter 9? Um, and so, uh, we're, in, we're entering into phase 3, um, and phase 3 is going to be a great display of the glory of God. But after phase three is going to come a lot of other stuff. And, um, and so I just want to encourage you today. I hope this has been encouraging uh, to, uh, again, continue in Christian love. Make your election and calling sure. Uh, because, uh, and, and don't be afraid to come up with the Father and ask Him. Ask Him all the questions that you have. Ask Him questions all the time. Some people are told, like, you know, to children be seen and not heard. And if you were raised like that, know that that's infecting your ability. Don't listen to that mentality because that is not the mentality of your father. Ask me questions. He's, I don't care if you're angry in asking him or sad. Ask him. Uh, because he loves and delights and wowing you to tell you answers. If he doesn't give you an answer the next day, wait, you're going to get one. Um, one other encouragement. You're going to have to go blank slate in prayer. 
for this to work. And what I mean by this is, when you worship the Lord, you're not going to come out the same way you came in. Here's what I mean. When you start to pray, because this, this works as a function of prayer, the Lord will bring you to a state where your mind clears off. You've not effectively prayed if you're still in the same condition that you began in. Uh, when I was a kid, we used to knock each other unconscious on purpose. I don't know if you knew that, but... <laughs> I don't respect you, Dad! <laughs> uh, but we were doing this, and I and you basically pull up on your friend, and then they... And then when you wake up, you don't know why you're laying on the ground. And uh, we got the biggest kick out of this until we... Until we did it to this one guy, well, we did it at the school where I was going to the school. We did it to this kid in the bathroom on bathroom break and let his head pop the floor. And he's bleeding and everything, and that scared me a little bit. And then we did it again at one of our uh, youth events at the church. One of the kids stayed locked up, Clint. Uh, he stayed locked in a place in that place for like 15 to 20 minutes and went out of his mind. It scared me. I never have done it since then. But he became Wolverine and he was gone. He was ivory rolled back in his head for 15 minutes. And I thought, we've done messed this all over, we're all going to jail and everything. And I told you guys, I said, yeah, but again, because he popped out of it like 20 minutes later, out of a complete delusion. So anyways, but about prayer. He's going to need something again. About prayer. When, and I learned this. It's okay to thank the Lord and praise the Lord and come into His courts like that. But listen, go to the place of quiet. Do not start talking a bunch when you're talking to God. Like you need to listen. Okay, so, so you get into this place. Everything I've learned and gained in the understanding of God was off this kind of prayer. I worship Him, I praise Him, get crazy about Him, love Him, tell Him how awesome He is and all that. But then, zip it and be quiet. Because you haven't even entered into prayer until the quietness enters into another realm. And uh, it's kind of like going to Narnia or something. You go through a closet door or something. And then all of a sudden, everything clears off. And uh, we're going to do a podcast on this called Blank Slate. But you go basically blank mind, blank emotion. And you're just still in His presence. And He'll start communicating. He starts talking. And then everything I've got has come out of that place. So the mechanism of this works like that. So petitionary prayer a lot like, Lord, you know we need a new car and i got to pay my bills and all that stuff. It's legit. But it's servant-based, not son-based. A son doesn't do that. He already knows what we need. And I, even if it is all being out of order and you can't straighten it out, you got to move into a place with the Father beyond that. And so it's just like, you steal yourself. Now I learned this through even no worship or worship. Or reading the Word, or no Word, or reading the Word with worship. And I'm for all of them. Worship with the Word, enter in. No worship, no, no Word, swaying in His presence. He'll come. Sometimes it takes an hour, sometimes it takes two seconds. Uh, even what I got from you today, it, I, I said, I'm not the only thing like she said. It's just like, you know, this is where you're going, Second Peter 1. It's just like, uh, we were already there. And I was like, all oh, these people love you. I don't have to battle through and go through all this stuff. Oh, Jesus. 
you know, <laughs> this person's got 18 demons in them, and that one's got, he's mad at his wife, and I mean, I hear all that stuff. Sorry, but you know, it's like, this person's done this, and that was bad about that, and this one's upset because they're offended, and you know, it's like, ah! you know, <laughs> Jesus, can we just get there? So apparently, we're, we're in great company because, like, instant, the Holy Spirit and the Word of the Lord is in this home. And, uh, and I'm like, oh, Jesus, that was easy. No battling. And so you go go there with Him in a private place. Glory! I never know what He's going to say. You won't either, because you're blank slate. He might give you a vision. He might give you an aspect of Himself. He might give you an encounter. Let me tell you this. When you come out of blank slate and you come into the next, back into normal life, watch it. Because... Not always, but enemy might be proud on you and go, Apa! And you know, the person you thought loves you now all of a sudden is mad at you. I don't know what it is, but that happens. And it's for the purpose of humility. But don't get upset at that person or that situation. They probably don't even know what they're doing. Most likely, that's when you say, privately, don't say it out loud. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Because that creates another conflict. Because <laughs> they're going to say, oh, you're trying to say that i got a problem. And you're like, yeah, you got a problem. Yeah, i got a problem. I don't have a problem. Yes, you do have a problem. And then it just goes all to pieces. <laughs> you know, uh, if anybody's experienced this, I know everybody in here has. Um, so, but go blank slate. Just wait and worship Him. Say, I don't know. And because she said, I'll do I do nothing except what I see my father doing. Jesus modeled a blank slate mentality. Wait a minute, he's God man. Yes, he is, but he does nothing. And uh, Pooh said that. And Christopher Robin. Oh, okay. I know this is like so profound, isn't yeah. it? The very, the very best of somethings come from nothing. All right. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, today. Oh, man. So awesome, Lord. We just bless you. Just pray you just even move right now and confirm your word to our hearts. Confirm your word to us, Lord. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just... There's some, some situations in here where there's renewal happening right now because you're embracing your divine... Uh, your... Um, your destiny in Christ right now. You're saying, yes, like I get this. And, it's, and you resonate with me, Lord. And I want you. I want you more than life itself. And the Lord, I just pray, Holy Spirit, you just move. Move right now and just confirm your word, Lord. Let us just know how good you are, how sweet you are. Lord, that you're everything that we ever wanted. Jesus, you're amazing. And you're magnificent. And we'll be wowed by you for trillions of years and we'll never stop being wowed by you. We just thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for every heart in here that's longed for you. Lord, I pray that wherever these foundational steps are, I just pray you to meet, meet our hearts. And, uh, and I thank you, God, for answering the questions that are actually in many of us right now. Just pray that you'd, you would give encounters, Lord, that would answer the question. One after another, Lord, knock the questions down. Highlight and wow us because you're the one who created the question through the circumstance that we just went through so that you could interact with us. Help us to see your wisdom in that so that we're not offended by you. And Lord, for those of us that have been betrayed and rejected, 
I just speak, Lord, right now, just healing. Healing for you in a place where you felt rejected. You're rejected because you're different, marginalized, and isolated. I just pray right now, Jesus, that we that we would have the word on our mouth that would speak forth what you're saying in wisdom, God, when you speak to us. Grant us wisdom to know when to speak and when not to. When to hold it and when to fold it, Lord. How to come in and to go out. Lord, give us wisdom for coming in and going out like King Solomon prayed for and the great leadership pray. I just pray that over everybody right now that you know how to come into his presence and go out. How to be uh, human and how to operate in the divine nature. Pray you give us the wisdom for that, Lord. How heaven and earth comes together, Lord. How to bring that together inside of us. May you receive all the glory and all the honor that you are due. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. And you are the brightest, oh Jesus, you shine. The heavens declare and reflect in the sky. Our eyes have been open, we cannot deny you're beautiful, beautiful. You are the brightest, oh Jesus, you shine. The heavens declare and reflect in the sky. Our eyes have been open, we cannot deny. you